I was, oh, I almost did it, Zach. So at elementary, as an elementary principal, we have different nonverbal signals to make sure people get quiet. And ours is because we are the Panthers. We have pause, and we go pause up, and all my kids go shh. So it was very tempting to do that. Hannah, it was really tempting to do that right now. Just, you know, so. <laughs> we have just a few announcements that I wanted to share with you this morning. Um, there is no fellowship meal this week. Uh, we do have nursery available, so if you do have little ones, it's right over there. So feel free to drop them off there. We also, again, preschool through seventh graders, we have worship or uh, children's church for them. Wednesday, December 27th at 9 a.m., don't forget about Touchpoint with Pastors Steve and Joyce Pump. Their title this week is Christmas Card with our seven grandchildren. Oh my goodness, that's going to be fun to watch. Uh, by the way, double check, make sure you check out any of the archived uh, sermons and any of the archived um, touch points with them online at 10strikecommunitychurch.com. Youth group and kids activities are on Christmas break. We won't have any. They will resume, resume January 3rd. And just another reminder, uh, we are looking for someone to work with the elementary kids on Wednesday nights for activities and teaching time. If you would like to help serve, please contact Kathy Cootley at 218 586 2365. Also, on December 28th, coming up on this Thursday, the One Voice Prayer Meeting from 6 to 7 p.m. at the bridge. That is 216 2nd Street, Bemidji. 216 2nd Street, Bemidji. I'm sure they would love more people. The more the merrier for an hour of prayer. One Voice Prayer Meeting. Um, to view anything else for this morning, the prayer for this day, and anything else that we have going on, just again, check out the website, if you could. Uh, upcoming Sunday morning, we've got all the events going on today. Oh, Sundays, December 31st, this is important. New Year's Eve morning concert will be led by Tim and Kathy Pomp. We're really excited for that event. They're having a choir. Some of you have already been reached out to, and, and some of you have already gotten back to Tim. But if you are wanting to be part of that choir that morning, would you please reach out to Tim directly, Tim Pomp directly? His telephone number is 218-750-7333. And again, if you want to be part of that choir, please reach out to Tim directly. They're looking at actually having a rehearsal this Wednesday evening. So please reach out to him if you're interested. Um, another announcement, um, we have Glennis Coffin, Peter's grandmother, Peter Coffin's grandmother, longtime part of our TCC family, transitioned to heaven on December 21st at around 2 p.m. Uh, we would appreciate, and the family would appreciate prayers for her husband, Russell, and the rest of the family and all the other loved ones. The memorial service is to be determined at this time. We're still working on those plans, uh, and it's pending, so we'll let you know as soon as we know more about that. Um, if you haven't gotten a bag of oranges back there yet, please go ahead and take one after the service. Let's see if I have some more we have. Yeah, I think that's about it. Again, just keep checking out for more resources online at face, on Facebook or on 10strikecommunitychurch.com. Um, giving this morning. As I was listening to Kent family and uh, the rest of the band this morning, I was reminded of, of what it is to serve um, and... Uh, what it is to give your life to Jesus. And in my preparation for this morning, I was reminded of Paul and his last message to the disciples. The disciples were grieving, and they were having such a hard time wondering, what are they, they're going to say goodbye to. They know they're saying goodbye to their friend. They know, that they know they're saying goodbye to their rabbi, their teacher, because Paul had told them, I'm going, I'm not coming back. He's getting ready to set sail. And he knew where he was going. This is his last days. And he's speaking to them in Acts 20, 32 through 35. This is a Christian standard version. And he's actually quoting Jesus at the end of this as well. He says, and now I commit you to God, speaking to the disciples, and to the word, to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that I worked with my own hands to support myself and those who are with me. In every way, I've shown you that it is necessary to help the weak by laboring like this and to, be rem and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus because he said, what did he say? It is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give 
than to receive. This morning, we're speaking specifically about offering this morning. When we're thinking about the offering, the offering that you give here at 10 Strike Community Church goes multiple directions. This morning, if you want to help Kent's ministry, if the Dudley's ministry, you sure can do so. We just ask that you put your, uh, to make your check out to TCC, envelope labeled Kent Dudley, that would help their ministry. We also have other ministries going on. We have the jail ministry they offer that we contribute to. We have many other ministries that we contribute to as a church here at Ten Strike Community Church. So this morning, if you feel led, we just ask that you think about those ministries and all the support that this church offers our community, our friends, and our families, because it truly is an amazing place. And it's not the place, it's the people, right? You all have wonderful serving hearts and giving hearts, and this is the season to be thinking about that. Been really convicted over that in the last couple of days. Keaton and I actually went Christmas shopping yesterday, and he and I had a great conversation about, you know, Dad, I think I'm getting old enough. He's 15 now, and he goes, you know, Dad, I really don't care about getting anything anymore. I just want to give. I think it's so much more fun to give. Well, and that's following what Jesus is saying, right? So this morning, I want to pray over this morning's offering. The offering boxes are right there at the back of the sanctuary, so please, if you feel that, that's where they would go. And again, if you want your dollars to go to a specific ministry, just put it in an envelope and put that ministry on the outside of that envelope. Let's bow our heads this morning. Father God, I know I can speak personally at how much joy I find in giving, find much more, much more joy in giving than receiving. And I find that I'm walking with you when I do so. I find that I just feel better. And it's not about feelings, but it is a blessed moment when we have an opportunity to give to others, Father. And God, this morning, as you are on the hearts of the people in the church, if they're in need, please supply their need, Father. If they feel led to give, please bless that gift. Please bless that offering so that it can be used to further your way, your word, and your gospel. Because ultimately, we want more people to come to you and to know you and for those people to make you known as well, Father. We just thank you for this glorious opportunity to worship you freely this morning. We pray that you are in the rest of this worship. We invite you here to be with us. Stand next to us, stand near us. And we just pray for the band behind me so that we can just glorify and worship you this morning. In your wonderful, amazing name. Amen. Thank you, Josh. Once again, good morning to everyone. Don't you enjoy Christmas? I bet if I asked you what you got for Christmas five years ago or ten years ago, you'd never remember, right? But I know one thing that we've tried to instill in, our, in the hearts of our children, grown and small children alike, is doing special things that make a memory, something that will not be soon forgotten. And I really think that's what Christmas should be about as families especially as Christian families, that we do something like Josh was saying, giving, giving of our time. I know that um, we like to go into nursing homes this time of year and just pour into their lives and, and bless them. And whether it be hospitals or as the whole group knows going into prisons, we'll talk a lot about that this morning and share some of those experience with you. But Christmas should be filled with memories. I want you just to listen to the words of this song. It's off from George Strait's Christmas album. And just think back, maybe, to when you were a child or a young person. Milk and cows, Pastor Steve, maybe on the farm. Whatever it might be. It's called Old Time Christmas. Tricycles. Candy canes and candlelight Trying to stay awake all night To catch a glimpse of Santa's reindeer Mama baking, sister making Angels in the falling snow
singing anymore. No, I mean it. You better clap your hands. There you go. Quiet song like that puts you all right to sleep, didn't it? Doesn't that bring back memories, though? Back on the farm or wherever you lived? Old-time Christmas. Some of you aren't old enough to think back and have an old-time memory yet, but you'll get there. You'll get there. We've been... Uh, privilege the last couple of Sundays. We've been traveling around. Last week we were at uh, True Life Assembly of God in Detroit Lakes. And the week before, I spoke at Cowboy Church on Highway 34, just uh, east of Detroit Lakes, a few the miles. The Barn. And um, the three churches, plus there's one more over on uh, the White Earth Indian Reservation at Pine Point. So we have four churches in a campus that is headed up by Pastor Trevor from True Life in Detroit Lakes. And I just love the feel. When we, when we moved to Park Rapids, we were kind of like, all right, Lord, where do you want us? We tried a couple places, and we just didn't feel like we fit. And then we went to church where Danny goes to school during the week. We thought, well, we might as well visit there and go to church. And uh, I didn't feel like we fit there either at first, and but... There was something in our heart that just said, you need to sit and stay here, and you need to wait. And so we've been attending there, and, and we're part of this campus, and so we've been interchanging. I've been speaking on joy everywhere I've gone throughout the campus, and uh, Pastor Trevor's been speaking on peace, and excuse me, I've been speaking on hope. They've been speaking on peace and joy. But today, I wanted to bring that first scripture up, if you would, from Romans. Romans 13, 15 says, Now the, the God of hope fill you with joy and peace. Look at that again. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in what? Believing. That's the key to it all, isn't it? 
We have to believe that he is, that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him and follow him. But it says that the God of hope would fill you with all joy and peace and believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. There's so much that we could say and, and, and talk. I could preach for a week on that scripture alone. But our heart this last year, especially, and many of you that have followed us and know our story, know the, the heartache that we went through when we lost our son, Mathis, and, and I've lost my hope after that. I felt like everything that I had held on to slipped through my hands. And I became very angry with God. I was mad at him. I found out he's big enough to handle my emotions. He's big enough to deal with all of that, still love me through it. But the hope that God has is now beginning to abound in my heart in ways that I've never experienced in my entire life. And I have found that that hope is growing because of one reason. We do not harvest unless we do what? Can you tell me? What do we have to do? Say it loud. We have to plant. We have to sow, right? There's a principle that says you will reap what you sow, Paul said in Galatians. And so what we began to do was go back into the open doors of the prisons. So far, we've gone into the state penitentiary in Bismarck three times now. We've been in Jamestown twice and now we're scheduled to go to Lionel Lakes Prison in Minnesota in June. And the doors are just beginning to open. And I have found that as we bring hope to the hopeless, God brings that abounding hope back to us. The harvest is plentiful. But we need to be sowers first. We need to be people that are willing to go and do and be what God intended us to be. Amen? And I can tell you this morning that my heart is so full. I'm doing threefold ministry right now. Danny goes to a Christian school. I lead chapel there for the kids twice a week. I go to the nursing homes in Park Rapids. There's three different wings. I go to each one once a month. And we go to the prisons. And I'm sorry to say it, we don't go to many churches anymore because you guys are all pretty boring. No, just kidding. But we are finding a hunger and a desperation in the hearts of the men in these prisons. And they want one thing more than any other thing. And that's the love of God. 1 Corinthians 13, 13, if you'd bring that scripture up. It says, now abides these three, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. There's no magic trick. There's no special song. We have found one thing. The prisoners in these facilities are streetwise. And they will read you the minute you come in the door. And if you have one ounce of fake in you, you're in for a long day very long day and I'm fortunate that I am surrounded with a band that ministers God's love because the prisoners love them as much as they love me they better not love them more but they love them as much as they love me but I have seen the hardest of hearts standing before me with bitterness, and you can see the anger in their eyes. And I have watched the God of heaven melt them into a puddle of crying and receiving from him. And it usually takes about half an hour, <laughs> and that breaking is done. And it's the most beautiful, hopeful thing you can ever imagine. Today, instead of me just standing and preaching for a while, I've asked the band to share a quick testimony from what they experienced. Now, I know it's dangerous when I give my wife a microphone because 
it usually the short and Chantel don't go together when it comes to preaching. <laughs> so, no, I'm just kidding. But I'm going to have her share a couple thoughts of what impressed. This was the first trip where we took the ladies into the prison with us. And so she's going to share some thoughts coming from a lady's perspective of going into a maximum security prison and being five feet away from men that are there for murder and rape and whatever other crime is possible. Honey, share a little. I also want to say that I don't think any of us know what the other one's going to say. So it'll be interesting to, to see all of the different perspectives. Um, when Kent went in August and he called me and he said, the warden wants you women to come. I was like, oh, no. Mm -mm. Nope. You just go back when you feel you need to go back. And the more he started talking about it, which I had heard stories, you know, from when he went on the first tour out there. But the more he started talking about it, something kind of welled up in me and I thought, maybe. And it wasn't too much longer and then I was thought, yeah, this is what I want to do. And then the day arrived and I became very fearful. And Kent had to pull over. The band doesn't even know why we stopped so many times, but it was because of me. I, oh, did they? <laughs> he ratted me out. Um, I became very fearful. I became very scared, and we had to stop several times so that I could make a pit stop. And, and uh, going through, we went to Jamestown first, and going through all of the bags. I mean, they just kind of rip open your bags, and they go through everything. I mean everything. You can't say cords. You have to say exactly how many cords you have in your bag type of thing. And it took a while. And I needed to get inside. We finally made it in, and I went to the restroom and sat in there, and I thought, I can't do this. This is real. Like, we are shut in this place. And... We ended up setting up our instruments and setting everything up. And, and, you know, there were guards and stuff in there and people that we hadn't met. And so it got to feel a little bit more comfortable. And then they open the doors and everybody comes in. And I'm not kidding. Every time somebody would move a chair, I would instantly look over and I would jump. And when he said five feet, it's five feet or less that they're away from you. And it was rowdy, and there was a lot of commotion when we first got there. And I was on edge. I was scared to death. I'd been traumatized as a child several times, and so fear, it was a real thing for me. By the end, and I won't share everything that happened, because who knows what everybody else is going to say, but by the end, we're wrapping cords, we're putting stuff away. At one point, actually, during the, when we first started, I'm the sound I'm the ear of the group, and I had to go back. And so I walked over to Dan, and I said, hey, Dan, I need to go back there. I need to listen to sound. He goes, okay. I'm like, no, we need to go back there in the middle of them so I can listen for sound. And so he said, all right. And I walked back there and realized all the men are standing, and I'm short. So I couldn't see the guys I ended up coming back up and everything went really well. By the end, we're wrapping everything and putting everything away. We're kind of joking and jesting with the guys and I'd watched the Lord change some hearts. And I happened to be bent over to do, I don't know, I was putting a guitar away or putting a cord away, I can't even remember. And I turned around and ran right into a big guy standing right behind me. And I just started joking with him. And I thought afterwards, wow, I cannot believe how God changed my perspective and my heart. There was no fear by the end of that. And I'm reminded of 1 John 4:18, perfect love casts out all fear. What is perfect love? Jesus. How did Jesus love? He was unselfish. He died on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them when they didn't even ask for it. He did the ultimate sacrifice out of perfect love. And looking at the men, 
And these are hardened criminals. I mean, they're just, this isn't Beltrami County Jail. And I've never been to Beltrami County Jail, but I'm saying these guys weren't there. They're, they're tough, they're hard, they're like rocks when they come in. And I watch God change them and melt them and begin to soften their hearts. And so it was just beautiful to be able to see them through the eyes of maybe what their heavenly father sees them through of my child is worth dying for, my child is worth loving, and my child is worth, and so on. And I was able to see them through that, and I was changed. Another, one more story I'm gonna share. I have several, but one more I wanna share. I think we were in Bismarck, and it was coming near the end of the, our time there. And Kent always kind of does this thing right before the last song, and you know how he remembers names. I don't remember names. I have a hard time with 18 children remembering their names. But he started pointing out certain ones that he had talked to, and he was talking about the table up in heaven and the place setting that will be set for them and how sad it would be if you, John, you, Harry, whatever, weren't there. And I said, go around the room. He said, what? And I said, go around the room. Start saying your name. Because I would watch when he would say Harry's name, people would kind of look. And it was almost like they were hopeful that he was going to remember their name and say their name. And so I said, go around the room and state your name. And they did it from the front row all the way to the back. And just as I was getting ready to say, the band is going to say their name. The last guy in the back row said, now it's your turn. And so Susan started, and we went through the band and said our name. And we said, we hope to see you someday at the table. And it was powerful to me because it gave them hope, just that of saying, I'm going to be sitting at a table with you they're going to be sitting at a table with Jesus in heaven. And it was just powerful to me to see them grab a hold of that, so much so that when we got in the van, and this is probably your story, but I got the mic. <laughs> I'm like that. I warned you. <laughs> but Kent said, one of the guys came up to him and said, I hope to see you soon. But if I don't, that was in Jamestown, he said, if I don't, I'll see you at the table. And I looked at Doug and the band, and I said, that's our new merch. That's our shirt that we're going to wear, and we're going to talk about to people at the table when I was in Walmart two days ago wearing this. Two people asked me, where's the table? And I was able to share with them. It's not just their lives that are being changed. It could be a generational break. It could be things that have gripped them. I had a chance to talk to so many of the men, but things that have gripped them for so many years and watching God just let all of those chains fall off of those men. Some of them will never get out of prison. They'll die in prison. But they're free behind bars. Yes, you can clap your hands. Could you bring that picture up? I sent a couple pictures, and hopefully we can get them on the screen here. Um, at both prisons, at the end of the time where we were singing, I took the wireless mic and walked out. And I said, I want you to come. I said, I don't want you to come to me. I said, I'm going to walk out, and I want you to come to Jesus today. And we're going to pray for you to receive Christ. At both Jamestown and Bismarck, we had about 25 guys at each place that received Jesus that day as their Savior. There's where you can clap. Go ahead. 
and their lives were changed forever. And these are hard guys, guys that, like I said, um, when I first walked in, let me know if that comes up there, would you? When I would first walk in and we would look at them, you could tell there were some believers in the room, and you could pick them out really quickly. And then there was those that were angry and bitter and filled with rage, and they're easy to spot as well. We had a Native American guy sitting in the second row at Bismarck, and um, big dude, big native guy, tall. His name was David. And partway through, I just he caught my eye, and I called him out. I said, hey, David, I got something to tell you. And he looked at me, and I said, don't tell my other kids, but my favorite child is my eight-year-old Native American son. Of course, we tell that to all our kids. Don't tell your brothers and sisters, but you're my favorite. And I watched him begin to melt. And he was hard as can be. <laughs> See, if I asked Doug last August. We were traveling out to, to Bismarck. And I asked Doug on the way out there. I said, Doug, why should they trust us? I said, think about it. Why should they trust us today when we walk in there? They have no reason to. They don't know us. There's a huge turnover in the prisons. They don't allow them to stay very long in one place because of the gang affiliations. So they keep rotating them around to different prisons throughout the United States. And so the groups that we saw, the, I don't think there might have been one or two at, at Jamestown out of 80 guys that we had seen before. In Bismarck, we were just there in August, and there was only maybe, what, 10 or 12? kind of what there was, out of the whole crowd there. So it's kind of neat. You're kind of getting a first-hand experience with each one. But I watched as David began to melt. And we did the prayer time at the end at Bismarck. I turned around, and there he was standing right next to me, ready to receive Jesus as his Lord. And many, many other guys. I hope you can find. Is that? Do you have it back there at all? You don't have it. Can you fake it? No, I'm just kidding. Can't. They're on. They're on our Facebook page. Yeah. So, I really wanted you to see the prayer time because it makes it real. And I was able to go in and blow the pictures up and remember. There's David. There's John. There's Bob. There's Simon. And there was a young man named Chris sitting in the front row. He was just crying, worshiping a lot during our songs and just showing that he was not ashamed of his Lord and Savior. And I had gotten done praying with the guys at Bismarck and Chris said, can I say something? I said, sure, come on over here and I gave him the mic, and he said, I've been here for eight years, and I have not had one visitor come to see me, not one family member, not one friend has come here to see me. But he said, he looked at us, and he pointed, and he said, today my family just came to say hi. And he said, this is the best Christmas present I could ever hope for. These are men that Jesus died on the cross for. They're men that he was crucified for, that he bled for, and that he lives for today. They did awful things, but that is not who they are. They are children of God when they come forward. And guess what? You're going to have to hug on them when you get to heaven. And there will be no need to be afraid. There will be no need to worry. Because they're so real and so raw that you'll find love like you've probably never seen it before. I don't think we've ever been hugged more. I know. It's amazing <laughs> how much love they have. I think we'll do another song.
a thumbs up. All right. Go ahead and uh, I think I sent two pictures. That, that's not it. That's the one I want. Got about 25 guys around us praying. Big David is uh, about the third one. You, you can see him. Chris, the one that called his family, he said, would you be my mom and dad? <laughs> we said, yeah, we got room at the table for you. He's, he's got glasses on. He's about the third one in. Yeah. This black guy way in the back named Simon. Sitting back on the back he's table with a white table long sleeve. There. He's a believer. Simon spent... Last time we went in August, we were just pulling through the main gates. 
There's the barbed wires reel that you see on the movies. Big metal gates, they shut them behind you. We could see an inmate jumping up and down and hollering and waving his hands across the courtyard. We found out it was Simon. He had volunteered to help us set our equipment up, haul it in. He was so excited, he couldn't wait for us to get there. Then we went through two more huge metal doors that open and close. You go through one, then they shut it, and then you open the next one. It's quite a process just going in. Simon and a young man named Stefan helped us unload back in August, and they were both there when we came back. And Chantel got a chance to sit on the front row with Simon after we were done, and we were just mingling and talking and hugging and praying, and the group was starting to pack some stuff up, and she spent about, I don't know, 10 minutes with Simon. And she finally said, why are you here? And I had known that Simon was a lifer, but he opened up his heart and he told her that he had killed a man out in Montana and put in prison in Minnesota first and then transferred to Bismarck. But he said, God saved my life here. He said, if I was out there, I would be dead. But by coming to a prison, he found freedom. Isn't that amazing? By coming into a prison where the doors are locked and you can't get out, he found life and hope and peace. It's interesting when we talk about these guys, they can just be stories. But when you see pictures of them, this is somebody's son. Simon is about 32, 35. Doug, you're, you're about his age. He told Chantel, he said, I will die here. I can never get out. I'm, they will not parole me. Think about that. She told me that when we were having supper, we had stopped at a restaurant right in Bismarck on the way home as we were out just getting ready to order, and she told me that, and I just began to cry. I just thought, <laughs> and yet he had such peace and joy and hope on his face. And of course, being the mama bear that she is, she delved into his story. He was adopted. His mom adopted after him and his sister, correct? She adopted nine more medical kids for a total of 11 kids. We've adopted 11 kids, just about all medical. Simon's mom died a while ago. And so, of course, Mama Bear said, well, I'll guarantee you one thing. As long as we are able, whether we're singing here or not, she said, Kent and I will come out and see you once a year so that you have a mom and dad that come to your, to your door. We're pretty blessed, aren't we, folks? We worry about our house payments and car payments, and we worry about the cows and the horses. And we worry about all kinds of nonsense. When some people just wonder if anybody even loves them or anybody cares about them. Our job is to instill hope into people's hearts. How are we doing that this Christmas? Well, I'm busy. I got my family. I got my job. I've got this. I got to take the kids to dance, and then they go to volleyball, and then they go to gymnastics, and then I got to pick them up and take... Sometimes we have to peel back some of the layers, folks. I'm going to step on your toes because I can. There's nothing you can do about it. But we're busy about a lot of stuff that will never make a difference in eternity. Only one life will soon be passed, and only what's done for Christ will last. Make that your motto that you live by. Don't worry about your next vacation. Don't worry about your next new car. Don't worry about all the things that so easily beset us. Feed the hungry. 
clothe the naked, give a drink to the thirsty, bring in the stranger, go to the hospitals, go to the prisons. That's what Jesus said he's going to judge us according to. Do it. Bring hope. And now here's the key. You will leave there being the one that is blessed. You will leave wherever you go feeling, wow, I just got more out of this than I gave. But that's the way God works. He multiplies it back to us. Susan, are you ready? No, she's not. But she's going to share but in you know, just being obedient, right? I'm going to use notes because public speaking is not my favorite. <coughs> um, some of these things have already been touched on, but um, when Kent shared earlier this summer at church here, he reminded us of the passage again where Jesus says to the righteous that whenever you did something for my brothers and sisters, you did it for me. When you fed the hungry, when you hosted the stranger, when you clothed the naked, when you visited those in prison, you did all those things for me. And um, because Sh Kent and Chantel were obedient to follow through on this vision that God's given them to reach out to those in prison, and they took us with, um, I feel like um, a little light was ignited there in the prison. And I could see that light start to spread throughout the community there within the walls. When we were there, Kent shared about the loss of loved ones in his own life. And because he was willing to be vulnerable with them, um, that kind of opened a door for them to share, share back. And one man asked if he could stand up and share during the service. So Kent gave him the microphone and he shared about losing his son and how you, when you know your loved one, you know them inside and out, and you know what they would say in a situation, you know how they would act, and so basically you carry that person with you always, and he was just encouraging his mates to remember that and to hold them close. I think that was just an example of him sharing the love that we were bringing along there, too, and in, <clears throat> I think just this whole the light that we brought there is going to be an encouragement to the believers and unbelievers. And, and then again, they were reaching out to us as well. They Many times throughout the whole service, they were just saying, we love, can't we tell them we love you? And they're like, we love you, man. <laughs> and, um, <clears throat> and then the whole time when we uh, shared, when the people... Um, said their names that they're going to be at the banquet table in heaven. It, it was neat that they were thinking back about us. They, they gave the light love right back at us and said, now you guys say your name too. So that was a memorable thing. Thank you, Susan. We could talk all day about God's love. I can't wait to get back again. They want to do a big outdoor event this summer. And they said, uh, just beware that when we do an outdoor event, we give them food. He said they will all come. <laughs> Everybody will come when food is available. And I laughed and I thought, well, isn't that silly? And then I thought, do you know, just having a special meal with cookies and coffee to them is huge. What do we take for granted in life? That they would, they would give anything to have. It's an amazing feeling. Chantel talked about it, about getting hugs from guys that you would probably not think were much of a hugger at all. I don't think there was one man 
whether they came forward to receive Christ or not. There was not one man that I hugged and I looked him in the eye and I said, I love you, man. That did not return those words to me. We're talking about some tough dudes. You can you see some of the biker gangs on TV and the movies and stuff. We were walking in them. Every one of those guys with tears in their eyes would hold me and thank me and tell me they love me. I already have all my Christmas gifts today. I got them on November 30th and December 1st. I opened mine a little early. And I just encourage you that we have to sow those seeds to get that harvest back. Randy Travis sang this song, and I want to share it with you. It was not a silent night. There was blood on the ground. You could hear a woman cry in the alleyway that night on the streets of David's town. And the stable was not clean And the cobblestones were cold And little Mary, full of grace With tears upon her face Had no mother's hand to hold It was a labor of Every beat of a beautiful heart It was the labor of love Noble Joseph by her side Calloused hands and weary eyes There were no midwives to be found On the streets of David's town Scripture, once again, 1 Corinthians 
chapter 13, verse 13. And now these three remain. Hope, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. It doesn't cost us anything to love. Well, I'll take that back. It might cost us our pride. It might cost us our shyness. It might cost us a bad attitude. It might cost us some unforgiveness we've been holding on to. But those things that it costs are replaced by something so great and a hope that abounds in our heart. And so today as we go forth into Christmas Eve, you'll all be getting together with family and friends and celebrating and tomorrow you'll eat way too much, sleep a little, right? But let's, let's not just go home and just receive. Let's go home and be givers. I'm going to challenge you, if you've got a relationship that's strained, if there's somebody you need to make a phone call to, make it today. Would you do that? If you've got a child or a loved one or a parent or whoever it is or a friend that you need to fix something with, would you fix it? My wife shared that she was afraid. Jesus handed out talents, or the, I should say, the owner of the land, handed out talents to the three guys. One got five, one got three, the other one got one. It doesn't say that they weren't all a little bit afraid. Right? But the one with five went out and invested, made five more. The one with three made three more. But the one with one, he came back and said to the Lord, I said, I was afraid. And I buried it. Don't bury it today. Amen? Don't bury what God has given you today. We can't bring cookies or goodies. We can't bring presents to the prisoners. But we can bring the greatest gift that they will ever, ever receive, and that's the, the gift of God's love. When that great big Native American guy in Jamestown walked up to me, with pink glasses on. I'll never forget him. Because when he came in and sat down at first, I didn't know if he wanted to kill us or what. But after we prayed and he accepted Jesus and he looked in my eyes and said, if I don't see you again, I'll see you at the table. And then he told my wife the same, and I think he said the he same. He said, I love you, Mama. And he said, I love you, Mama. <laughs> Let's give today. Amen. Let's make this a different Christmas. A different day, a new day. Because I can attest to you, the God of hope has abounded fresh in my heart with a love and a passion. I can't wait to get back. I can't wait to go back again. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father. Father, I just thank you for your love, that you so loved us, that you gave your son. And may we just embrace that love today. Lord, may we just open our eyes and our hearts and our arms and just receive that love today in a fresh new way. And may we realize that that love is not given to us so that we sit on it. That love is given to us so we invest it. And so that we can have a return on your love. So that we can have multiplied back to us and to others what that love will do. We just thank you, Lord. I pray for each and every member here of Ten Strike Community Church. That today they would leave here with their hearts filled with joy, peace, and that your hope would abound in each and every one of them now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
If you need prayer, I know that you always have prayer people up front that'll stop and minister to you. If you want to just chat for a while, we'd love to do that. Otherwise, love you guys. Merry Christmas. Pastor Steve and Joyce, we love you. Thank you so much for having us. Give this good group a, a thank you as well. I appreciate, appreciate each and every one of these guys that have stood for seven years now. We have traveled together. They've never brought one moment of discord in this band. They have never brought negative junk into the churches or the prisons or the stages that we, we minister on. And I want you all to be very proud of them today. Would you do that? Give them a good clap. Thanks, guys. Love you all. Merry Christmas. You are dismissed. Merry Christmas, everybody.